the Aquarium Guys podcast. All right, guys, doing a quick episode here, a bit of an emergency that I'd like to paint out that no one else is talking about. So I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam Elnishar. And I got Oliver from Oliver's Aquatic Garden on YouTube that happened to join us for another episode that either you have heard or will hear in the future. Spoil alert. Oliver, thank you. Awesome. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Just jumping into it. Jimmy, we have had quite a a few of our listeners over many months. Commit suicide? (laughs) That was heavy. Uh, I'm just asking. No. No, no, no. Uh, they share questions and they go to uh, share our questions. They go to our discord. They go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com by the website. They find the link to discord. And that is our community. You'll find it in our show notes as well in every episode. And they come here and they gather and share information. They ask a question to the hive mind and our audience help each other. Now, if they see need help identifying a fish, if they want to know how to set up an aquarium for beginner questions, if they want to know something more advanced, they have access to literally thousands of people in our aquarium community and ask things and whether i'm answering it whether other people are answering it they're going to get help i'm not an expert in everything those people aren't an expert in everything but i guarantee you there's going to be someone that is an expert in it and we've able to help a lot of different people now in doing this i get to see a lot of different trends and a lot of things going on i mean a little bit of in touch with what's going on out there you are a touchy-feely guy i'm a touchy-feely guy and in doing so i have seen an uptick in some people seeing these cool new nifty snails Redacted. Snails. Oh, no, no. Don't spoil it. Now, editor, cut that out. (laughs) What kind of snails, Rob? What kind of snails, Rob? So these cool uh, uh, snails that keep popping up. uh, I'm going to give a shout out to one of the users that I've been picking on. That's been a long term uh, listener. (laughs) Did you say users? Oh, yeah. uh, Like like heroin? His username is Pax. Oh, okay. He's in the greater uh, Australia, (laughs) greater Alaska area. Wow. You're not even f***ing close. Not even close. Australia, Alaska, same thing. Other side of the planet. And uh, he posted some pictures of these, what he can think of and I thought of as uh, Malaysian trumpet snails. They popped up all over his tank, but they seemed a little smaller and they're blonde. That was the goofy part. I like blonde. So he took a bunch of pictures and he said that they're healthy, happy. They've been cleaning up his tank, you know. <laughs> Who knew? You know, that's one thing I'm concerned about. Is my snail happy? Is my snail happy? Who knew? Happy, healthy, and wise. And he, he showed me pictures. And I'm like, you know, I don't know snails. Thinking to myself, I don't know snails that really change color. Like you can see different, all different types of rainbow color of guppies, for instance. Fish have different morphs of colors all the time. Well, what about the chameleon snails? Snails, uh, you know, some do for instance like ram's horns maybe some uh, mystery snails but some a lot of snails they don't have a lot of color changes in the same species if there's a different color it's most of the time a different species but regardless they look so similar ish to a mts i'm like bro maybe you have like the next designer uh version death squad of the uh malaysian trumpet snail i don't know you should should try them out, uh, see see what's going on. Uh, I don't know. Just keep posting pictures. Let me know how the the grow is going. So he kept them in the tank. He kept them going. He, he watched them to see if they grew bigger. They didn't grow bigger. They're they're small, a little smaller than a trumpet snail. And then I started seeing other people have them here and there throughout the months. And uh, then I started seeing a couple forum posts in different places pop up with these things. And then I started doing a bunch more research over the months and finding out that this is not a normal uh, species that I've, uh, I'm used to. This is a New Zealand mud snail. And after doing a, a research, 
I'm a, a bit horrified. So finding out a bit more about them, they're an invasive species. And seeing more and more about them, I figured we need to talk and notify aquarists of what's coming out in the hobby. Kind of like the zebra mussels that appeared in moss balls. We were telling everybody to squeeze your balls. That was a big message of ours. <laughs> you know, we're a big proactive people of invasive species on the Aquarium Guys podcast. So squeezing our balls is very important to us. Uh, but in all seriousness, I did try to reach out to specialists. So I tried to do my homework. I tried to find different types of specialists. So I reached out to people with actual PhDs on the matter that actually wrote articles uh, to the public. And I got emails back from these people saying, I'm not an expert on these things. Go find a real expert. I, I would love to help you. That was such I'm, a nice way of them telling you to F off. Yeah, I'm not an expert in this. I'd love to help you. I can help you in other species, but this is not something that I'm an expert in. I just wrote a, a stuff that we have some information on, but I am by no means someone that could talk as an elite on this subject. So what'd you find out? So if no one else I can find is a subject, at least readily available, if you know of someone that is a New Zealand mud snail expert, please reach out to the aquarium guys podcast at gmail.com. Please. I am not an expert, but I will try to be for the sake of education, educating the public of what's happening right now. So over the many months that I have been uh, trying to research these with different information and help from people like PAX and other users and finding the posts online, I have been uh, a bit disappointed in finding the grave uh, information on the New Zealand snail. So to share with the, the public, I will give the rap sheet on these guys. <laughs> the rap sheet? Yes, the rap sheet. This is from the, uh, you said New Zealand? This is from New Zealand. Now, okay. th there's multiple data points from many different sources, and this is very hard to find because there's not a ton known about these. And most of it comes from uh, different Department of Natural Resources uh, forums, so they're not really coming from a super deep aquarium background on top of them for hitchhiking from our hobby. They're coming from a wildlife hobby. So first discovered as an invasive species in Idaho in 1987. So they've been around naturally a while. They are very small creatures and hitchhike on different plants. But how they hitchhike uh, due, due to their size, they are asexual yet self-cloning so each individual species are born pregnant what they are born pregnant and after they give birth to their original birth they can breed again with a partner so they're asexual they're born pregnant and clone and they procreate live no eggs whatsoever so right there spells an entirely new recipe for a disaster snail that can procreate without having to worry about it. Their births are very, very tiny, close to grains of sand, and they are vivacious when they do breed. Now, yes, they asexual and they can breed and they come pre-pregnant, but males are still encouraged to breed. In their natural habitat in New Zealand, they have about 5% male uh, cycles. Outside of New Zealand, they're more exclusively female than they are, uh, are in their actual New Zealand territory. Now, the let me go through my list here. You'll have to forgive me. There, here we go. They are transported hitchhiking, not only on different uh, substances like your boat and whatever they stick to, but 
they hitchhike in your shoe because they're so small they can actually hitchhike on your shoelaces so dnrs are uh, dnr and the and the tread of your shoe too, on right? the tread of your shoe in the shoelaces and the creases so dnr are having problems with people fly fishing and walking to another body of water transporting the specimens from one body of water to the other without any gear boats or other aquatic equipment so just walking alone just stuck on your shoe somewhere stuck on your shoe so if you really think about it anything mesh is going to hold them for quite a long time so like your underwear yeah if or you're, if like you're, swimming shoes for example. yeah don't don't let snails in your underwear that's a good rule of thumb <laughs> hey rob i got a story on these perfect uh we'll, we'll oh, we're let, let's uh, let's parking lot it just for a moment. I'm going to finish this piece and then I'll have you or you read your story here in just a second. So hitchhiking your shoe. Uh, they hitchhike your shoe. <laughs> they don't have a trap door, but they do have their uh, foot for a lack of a better term. So they do close. And when they close, they can they have been tracked to sur- uh, survive out of water for potentially a couple weeks. Now, outside, if they don't close their shell, they should die within 48 hours. DNRs uh, commonly state that as long as you dry your equipment and your shoes for 48 hours, you should be safe. But if there are scenarios where these snails can survive outside of that uh, measurement, if you will, for a much, much longer time. So a lot like other aquatic species that are invasive, if you keep them out of the water for a good amount of time, then they should die. But that's not always the case. Right. They feed on almost exclusively detritus and algae. There's been lab tests uh, trying to introduce any type of algae to them, and there hasn't been really any algae introduced to them that they have not consumed, nor any uh, version of detritus commonly found in natural waterways that they haven't consumed either. They have three sets of chromosomes, so they are very uh, hardy and insusceptible to normal diseases that uh, other snail species would be normally prone to. They are capable of living 45 meters deep and not just surviving short term. They are capable of living long term, like surviving 45 meters deep. So that's like 120, 150 feet. That's that's insane. That's that's a lot. These are worse than Malaysian trumpet snails. They can live in water temperatures, 98 degrees. And to give you perspective, I don't know of a single body of water on the planet without a spring or a volcanic geyser that can naturally reach a 98 degree temperature uh, without direct, you know, um, death valley circumstances. So in most bodies of water, they're going to be able to live through the temperatures. They do freeze and die out in a a freezing environment. So if it reaches 32 degrees Fahrenheit, zero Celsius, they have had lab results where they've taken thousands of these snails and not a single snail has survived in lab results, which is a good thing. But there has been in the tetons in Yellowstone, just to give you an example of how species survive through this particular uh, uh, example in the Tetons and Yellowstone, which right now through what's, our Arctic blast in are January. You, are you talking Tetons? Tetons, yeah, Tetons. Tetons. Thank you. <laughs> See, I can't pronounce shit. <laughs> Tetons, Tetons. Uh, At Lake Titicaca. At Lake Titicaca. 
in, in the Tetons, Tetons, and uh, Yellowstone, which right now, my I you, love you, man. We're in January. Yes. Right. Yes. Middle of January. Yes. It's over thirty below there. Right now, there is guppies, sword tails, uh, convict cichlids, and other bread and butter species living there right now because they have found springs and been introduced into a uh, lake and stream where there's open springs where they're able to hibernate for the winter. So they can go down there and and survive enough because the water is warm near the spring. So they just find the warm water. They have been able to hibernate due to the open springs in these environments. And that's a tropical fish species that's been able to survive there for years and colonize, reproduce and maintain numbers in that area. Now, giving a snail, which can survive up to freezing, given any body of water with a spring should be able to do the same. Yeah, and here in Minnesota, half our lakes all have springs. If Over. They, yeah, if they can find, you know, if they can get there fast enough before it gets too cold, then they should be able to survive. So they've done, uh, just to give you an idea, well, okay, these are hardy sons of bitches. They're prolific. Well, what does infection rates look like? So we're not going to go tropical areas like California, Florida, stuff like that. Let's go into a what kind of sub-Arctic area like winter up here right so we'll say michigan so they did test areas where it's not as aggressive as places like california where these snails have been infected uh they've tested an area where one square meter has ninety thousand specimens i don't know if that kind of wraps so an area that's three foot by three foot basically one square meter has ninety thousand specimens so you're talking like nine square feet approximately that's a serious infection rate so it's detrimental where it absolutely wipes out the base of this the circle of life in a natural waterway takes out the algae and then everything falls and really gets a hard hit down from the uh you know microbe level so not uh not a lot of fun a lot of doom and gloom i know we have well, a lot was, of fun yeah, giggling was, on this podcast but you're you're fucking a ray of sunshine dude so people's like well what can we do about it well the dnrs have tests how can we stop the transport between uh you know especially with our shoes other products how can we stop the transport so they went and purchased basically every chemical that we can purchase over the counter uh that some common person can have on them and purchase and the only chemical that they can find that kills snails on contact is Formula 409. You're talking like the cleaner the Formula 409? The form, 409 in the bottle that you would use for like a bathroom cleanser. Wow. So that tells you how weak they are because I don't think that kills Malaysian trumpet snails. Uh, the other happy side. I'm going to try it now. Other happy side is that <laughs> these do not have the hard shell that the Malaysian trumpet snails so uh, These are a provide. softer shell? They're a much softer sh- uh, shell. You can actually squish them with your fingers. Uh, now, I'm going to pause here before continuing going over my research because I got a feeling that Oliver's got a lot to bring to the table. Okay. So I'd always wondered what these type of snails were, but uh, I've done a video of me collecting in central Texas, uh, just collecting native species of fish, plants, the works. And I had come across these snails and, and and how I know these snails. I mean, they're the exact thing. I looked them up over here. Their snails, their cells are very, very weak. They're very easy mm-hmm. crushable. Um, and, and, it, and, and to give you reference, the way that they probably conducted that survey of, of a, what was it? Three square meters for 90,000. Uh, no, one square meter or 90,000 was a recently infected uh, area in Michigan because yeah. they get wiped out in the winter. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. In, in central Texas, they, they probably stay alive. But I mean, 
Yeah, in, in tropical hand. areas, it's much, much worse. Yeah, you, I put my hand into the sand and I would I would reach in, I would grab it, shake it off a little bit. I'd have a handful of these things. And it, it really was kind of disturbing. Yeah, it's it's more more snail than sand in some areas. I don't know how it is for you in Texas, but in California is the worst infected state in the uh, United States. Mm. So going off of more details, these are uh, definitely smaller creatures. They're a little bit smaller than a traditional MTS. They come in two different uh, colorations. They come in the more blonde variety and they go all the way down to a uh, chocolate brown. They have a swirl shell that always, when you look at the opening of the shell face to you, it always opens on the right hand side. That's how you can uh, try to identify them. They do close using their foot. They don't have a trap door. And what was the other detail I had listed here? Hold on. DNR also did more research watching natives, no native species uh, eat the snails and the snails when digested by any no native species, not digested, when attempted to eat the native species, got uh, went through the system, could not be absorbed because they could not digest through the weak shell and were simply passed through shit out alive. Some species, the smaller species, even did intestinal damage to the fish. And that's because they're so small? That's just because it's a, a hard substance that didn't digest in their digestive tract for a small fish. Because, again, they're a small sh- uh, snail that passed through that didn't break down in their gut. So is there any natural predators? I mean, I mean, not natural, but like clown loaches. Say you get them in your aquarium, come in from a plant. Well, clown loaches take care of these things. I have been trying to do research and contacting people that have had these. Uh, a lot of the people found out they had them, bleached out the tanks. Thank goodness. That's the probably the best practice. Some people try to use different puffers with mixed results. I think you should use a 409 in your tank. One guy said his puffer kind of eats them. One guy said that he introduced it to his puffer. Uh, it just literally had to introduce a puffer to the tank. His puffer went crazy, started eating them one by one, and then spit them out and refused to eat the snails going forward. So they probably have to. That would mean that they're somehow toxic. Toxic. If a puffer fish won't eat them. Uh, uh, they say they're not toxic, but maybe distasteful. Don't know. Maybe it's a bacteria. They, maybe. There's got to be something because I've, I've seen puffer fish. They will literally rip things apart and eat them. Maybe the New Zealand jerk isn't their flavor, brother. I don't know. Maybe it's too spicy. I again, this is where we would really trumpet snails. This is where we really like to have a guy with three PhDs come on and say, "Hey, I'm an invasive species expert. Here's a couple things that you can do, or you know, uh, and say." But this is the research that I've just buried myself in to try to find. So my theory tells me I shouldn't be on that podcast. Well, I think we should (laughs) just buy a hundred thousand clown loaches at three dollars a piece and just release them in the wild. Yeah, yeah down, down in Texas, see no, what happens. They'll really take care of it if you know what I'm saying. No, not in Texas. No, no, no. <laughs> Why not? It's warm enough. We we gotta get. No, no, no. Th- thank you for saying no. And then when, and when the clown loaches get out of hand, we'll introduce some lionfish to eat the clown loaches. <laughs> the fr- freshwater, the freshwater variety, because yeah. you know being uh, venomous is great. Um, so uh, now, out of this, all this doom and gloom, you know, is there anything that uh, is good news? So. Like I said, California is probably the worst infection infection rates that they have. And California natural resources, like because they like to spend like crazy, uh, have really done a lot of research. And in their natural habitat, people go, well, how are they handling it in New Zealand? Well, New Zealand has uh, 
uh, I'm going to butcher the word. So I don't give a shit attitude. I'm going to butcher that word. So I'm going to have, word? what was it? Trematode? I think you're right. 11 trematode. Uh, they're a type of parasitic flatworm. What? They're, we they, do not need that shit. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So, that's they, a flatworm. They have 11 different species of parasitic flatworms, trematodes, that immediately sterilize the infected snails upon contact. You know what? I'm wondering if this is like a coal, something that builds with the other thing, because that's probably why they reproduce so fast, because the, the, the trematodes sterilize them. Correct. That is the only thing that keeps the population under control in New Zealand is the natural uh, presence of these 11 parasitic flatworms. And they apparently uh, are rumored to be looking into or trying i'm trying to find the details but it's a bit foggy introducing some of these trematodes in california but the problem is it's a cycle according to the small details i can find uh the rumors are and i'm not some sort of specialist here i'm i'm paraphrasing from my vague understanding is that these flatworms are a part of a, uh, their own cycle apparently flatworm bites attacks snail snail gets eaten by bird bird uh shits out flatworms flatworms bite snail and so the cycle goes so they need ducks apparently <laughs> to complete the cycle oh god Rob. you know you're not a specialist but you're f- special i'll tell you that much right so they're, they're trying to get waterfowl to complete this whole parasite cycle to control snails that would also introduce flatworms uh, into our my head hurts. Stop this. Okay, this is like the idiots in the DNR that when they bought f-ing mongooses to attack the rats that were attacking the sugarcane population, and then the f-ing mongooses hunt at night, and the rats are you know this is the same problem. DNR learned from your f-ing mistakes. That's why you need one of those elephant dung beetles out there. All right, just so rolling shit around. Well, just to get, just to wrap this up, right? I don't I don't tell this to you because I I need you as an Aquarius to uh, be some sort of you know snail expert, but I tell you this to be concerned because you need to know what species are out there and how this thing transports. These are are live. They're the size of sand grains. You're not going to find them. You're not going to be able to easily dip them out of plants. So they're going to appear. And if you're owning a pet store, you got to keep your eyes peeled for them. If you see them in a tank, you have to eradicate them out of a tank. You have to be responsible. You cannot just sit there and go, well, I'll throw a loach in there. Well, I'll throw assassin snails. Well, I'll throw a puffer. You can't do that. You have to be responsible. You have to clean out the tank. You have to make sure that you responsibly take all the contents out, fully dry them. And you should consider chemically treating with known substances such as like 409 in a tank, clean it out and let it air out. You should not let the species reproduce because let's pretend that you had a Malaysian trumpet snail, right? Malaysian trumpet snails certainly are born small, but not small enough where they're going to end vivacious enough where if it goes down a drain, you're going to worry that the city sewer is going to go through its process and go out to a natural river waterway and take over the river. This species is a real possibility that for some miracle reason could do that. Be responsible. Don't keep them as a pet. Don't keep them around and do water change and risk the biscuit. Don't let them get on your clothes, shoes, pets, and get to a natural waterway. Stop it and don't let aquariums be the reason and give federal people excuses to ban 
more of our content, more of our species, more of our hobby because of these terrible snails. I'm going to go out right now and buy some stock in Dow Chemical for 409. <laughs> that is my financial advice to you is take all the money you got and roll it into 409. The Aquarium Guys podcast is not a financial advisor and does not intend to provide any financial advice. The thoughts and opinions of individuals on the podcast do not necessarily represent the opinions of the Aquarium Guys podcast. Here's the worst part of this, right? Uh, as I'm doing the research, not only can I, is it really difficult for me to find some experts that are willing to talk, but when you search this, besides DNR efforts, which are good, DNR really does put out, like in Minnesota, if we have an invasive species product like Eurasian milfoil, zebra mussels, you name it. We, we put real effort in, we drain and dry our boats. We, we put out a campaign. We have DNR specials. We have volunteers. We put in the back of the labor and pain to do our best that we can to stop invasive species. So DNR have put out the efforts, but they are the only people talking about this. The only real thing I can find in the first five pages of a Google result for, you know, New Zealand trumpet snails is a old forum post of how someone recommends it's to keep a New Zealand mud snail in an aquarium. Oh, how to keep them? Yes. That's good news. So educate your friends. Hard to keep. Even if, yeah. even if, you know, this isn't the cup of tea, share this, share the info with your buddy. I, I'm going to reach out to some of my friends, see if I can go on other YouTube places. We already talked about this in a fish club. I'm happy speaking. If I have to be the horrible single person to talk about the subject let me the person that dies on the hill until we find an actual person that's an expert uh, i'm not i'm afraid of these things we and it's not that we can't handle it we just need to educate better than we are do you feel the russians are behind this <laughs> no no the ukrainians were behind the really? the uh moss balls <laughs> I don't know. Nothing, no, would, was, nothing would surprise me at this point. Me. That was found out. Dude, nothing would surprise me at this point. That was found out. All right. Well, uh, dude, Ukrainians are so fucking corrupt. It wouldn't surprise me at all. They'd sell their grandmas for a nickel. Oh, my God. Here we go. All right. Well, uh, on that note, Oliver, <laughs> you got any additions since these are in your area? You know, brother, help us out. Like for these snails. Um, oh, that reminds me. I had been collecting at that same spot prior and I had found one of these in my hair and I found one of these in my mouth. Oh my God. Oliver, come on. Happy news. Happy thoughts. No, really like, well, okay. Well, they don't taste good. That's one thing. Well, see, there we go. The pea puffer doesn't like it. <laughs> Neither does he. They don't make, they don't make for good escargot. Mm. <laughs> so do you think they're small enough to crawl? Don't you say urethra. Pee pee hole? Oh. Oh. Do you think they crawl up your pee pee hole? That's, that's, that's like the reason why. I'm just asking. I mean, are you not concerned about this? <laughs> if I go swimming in Texas, I'm going to wear a condom. And I'm going to wear <laughs> yeah, a butt good. plug. Because I want to be safe. <laughs> I mean, that's just a good, that's just a good uh, word of advice. Anytime you go to Austin, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're butt plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's like, it's like a roadblock. I'm sorry, Austin. That was a low blow. Mm. I love Franklin's barbecue. Don't kill me. I don't think you're getting any. Well, Oliver, thank you for uh, joining on the second one quick. Appreciate you. Oliver's uh, nope. uh, Oliver's garden. Oh, wait. Oliver's aquatics.com. Sorry. Yeah, it's in the show notes. Oliver's, <laughs> Oliver's octopus garden. 
uh, promo code mudsnail if you want an invasive species sent with. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Tomorrow morning we wake up. My site's taken down. All this. <laughs> Y'all can't hear from me. There's a black van out in front of your house. I'm kidding. Yeah. Get used to that. You'll make friends. My my guys, uh, Josh and Frank. I say hi to him every day. <laughs> uh, well, the, there is one thing that I do want to note is when you're listening to this, I know you guys don't normally look at the album artwork. I am going to have a picture of this snail replacing our album artwork for this cover. So if you want to, you don't even want to Google it and you want to be lazy, look at the album cover. That's going to be the snail. So if that doesn't show how uh, you know, we're trying snail. to educate you assholes. Nothing will. Wow. Jeez. You know. <laughs> We love you guys. But Kisses. Yeah. Kisses. Be good. <laughs> Adam, got anything else? No, I, I can't beat that. <laughs> until until the next emergency. Until the next emergency, keep your butt plugged. And condoms. Close. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. Normally, this is the point at the end of the episode that we would have some great out-of-context clips. However, with this being such a somber and serious episode, there weren't very many clips to use. Instead, here's a wet fart. Goodbye.